Hello and welcome to Reproducibility, the podcast where three ECRs mess around and talk about open science stuff. My name is Sam Parsons, beside me is Amy Auburn. Hello. And over in Amsterdam is Sophia Cruvel. Hey. Sophia's doing a happy dance. Sophia's always <laughs> doing a happy dance. That's what makes everything more fun. Um, how is everybody? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Um, I'm recovering from, I think, two very stressful weeks. So felt a bit like a zombie yesterday, but I'm, I'm, I'm awake, I'm a bit more alive, doing a lot of admin um, the last two days because, yeah, I don't need to think. Yep. It's the start of term. It's great. Admin, students, mm. getting ready for all that fun stuff. All the fun. All the fun, I must say. <laughs> Pure delight. <laughs> and you've been having busy times as well, right, Sophia? Yeah, it's been quite busy. Um, I'm already well into my semester, of course. Um, but it's been good. And it's not raining today, so I'm happy. <laughs> it's like two degrees here sometimes. Like, it's going to go down to two degrees in the night. It's like oh, literally nice. so cold. Like, yeah, I was at I'm, I was at a summer school in Berlin and it was twenty eight degrees. I came back to the UK and it was like eight. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite harsh. Yeah, I need yeah. To like this 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 now. week, um, it briefly hailed, so it was raining a lot all day. And then I was cycling back and it and I got hailed on, but I was wearing the most Dutch raincoat. It's like it's like, it's like super long and you can you can wear it and be dry even if you wear skirts. It's fantastic. So now this sounds like we're being sponsored by Dutch raincoats, which we sadly aren't. But if anyone is interested, please get in touch. Yeah, send us money. Mm. We we want to. All raincoats. They're very good. <laughs> yeah. And and how are you doing, Sam? I'm good. So today I sent my thesis corrections to my supervisors. So Ooh. the corrections are almost done. That makes me happy because I was sick of the fucking thing. <laughs> Um, that's why we're R-rated yeah that's why we're R-rated because Sam Beep. can't hold back most of the time um, so that no, was good. me doing a beeping sound <laughs> not just, I wasn't trying to be a beluga <laughs> from now on Amy's going to try and like precognition me swearing and just start mm. beeping me oh, out oh yes um, I've been complaining enough to you that, that I think we're starting to get a real connection yeah we've been bitching a lot recently it's great in a, in a, in a positive way um and what about? I've been missing had... the bitching. Oh. Sorry? I've been missing the bitching. What is uh, this it's about? It's just because I've had like a really busy few weeks. Yeah. And you know when things just go over your head a bit and you're just like, man, I just need to sit on the floor. And She's been yeah. throwing stuff, scaring <laughs> people away. No, I'm joking. It's been great. Well, not great. <laughs> it's over. It's, over. It's, it's been sensible. Yeah, and we had the Oxford Reproducibility School on Wednesday. Which was awesome. Um, yeah, it was. We had, I think, over 150, 160 people come and talk but about. Not me. Without you, yes. Um, it was very sad. I would have loved to be there. It sounded awesome. It was. How many people yeah. did you have to. Um, wait, no, you said it, about 200 people were there, but who was there talking again? We had six speakers. Six um, speakers. Shout out to um, Marcus Manafo, Dorothy Bishop, Stan Latricht, Chris Chambers, 
Laura Fortunato and Lisa De Bruyne. What a lineup! It was it was great. It was kind of. It sounds like a really good festival with all your favorite bands, but it's not bands. It really was. It was just me and Amy standing in the back for most of it, just kind of like giddy with excitement. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point, somebody asked like a question. I don't even know what anymore. But Dorothy like just killed it, man. Oh yeah. She like, was, gave this was... like. It was, I don't even know what, but... So I think that the oh. question was vaguely around kind of what to do if your supervisors don't support open science. And her response was just so cutting and on point. I think there were a few of us that like quoted little snippets of it, <laughs> but we, all of us just got so lost in just People this, like, like stopped tweeting because everybody was just like, I'm <laughs> starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Dorothy Bishop Appreciation Society. Oh my God. That's pretty much why we started. Meeting seven hundred thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was yeah. a great day. We'll, we'll we'll link to the OSF the information about the day and the OSF page in the the show notes and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, because all all of the speakers, I think, now have given the slides. Um, mm. There's loads of loads of cool stuff for the people that. It's, I think some of it's a mixture of um, introductions to things, so kind of what, why do we need open science, um, as well as registered reports, um, which I think most people had kind of already heard of, I think we checked, but also there's kind of a lot of new developments happening, which is really nice as well. There was a lot of talk about like Science Accelerator as well from Lisa. And, but I think like most importantly for me, maybe... Because I think what you get out of these meetings changes. Like, you know, once you're more in in the community already and you know a lot of things that are going on, you kind of get snippets of people and you can see how people present and you learn a lot that way. But for me, the real thing was just a sense of community. And I, I talked a lot about afterwards, the kind of really sense of energy that we had. We even had some senior people come and that I really felt like, there were so many people who just, everybody seemed to get it and there's some really good talks and, and you're all on this like same wavelength and it was really nice. It was very sort of positive and looking forward, mm. which was nice. It's kind of like, it reminded me of SIPs a little bit in that we barely had to have the discussions about sort of what problems are necessarily. And it was so yes. based around kind of, here's things that can be done to improve what we're doing and kind of moving forwards but that was do you also have an idea of, of no go ahead no do you have an idea of who the audience was well it's really difficult isn't it to always design these conferences because i i did a lot of the inviting of guests and we had a real mixture of people so you want in a way i didn't want to have just what we had the year before and what you often have is just like five people talking about how everything's pretty damn complicated and and sad and bad but wanted to to look forward a bit more and I think because we had a mixture we did have a couple of talks at the beginning outlining the problem especially we had one talk at the beginning but then the others were really meant to be like what are the skills that I need to learn like where can I find them and naturally it's just I find it really hard because you have such a mixed audience and I think um, that's where you need to go really broad and then hope that everybody gets a bit out of different parts. Yeah, I think what really encouraged me was the number of people that 
seem to sort of want to host something similar or um, we had a few people asking about the journal club um, so the reproducibility <laughs> journal club where this all started um, and and that's really encouraging because I think there's a lot of people that sort of said well we know a few people are interested but they're not in the same groups so you don't see them much or we kind of can't gauge the the interest across a department so just getting people in the same room to to have that kind of thing is going to be really good and, and we're starting our new series soon mm. and I, I think I think just going back to that community maybe it's mm. just because I really don't like working by myself but I think some the, one of the best positive things that I've gotten out of doing better science is not just doing better science and like naturally that is like the big thing that I have a lot more trust in my results I feel a lot more motivated to just do my best but I think some something that was extremely positive that came with that is that there is such a close community around it because naturally we're we all go through hard times and everybody sees that this feeling of of being supported by others is so important and so for me just the small events like the journal clubs, the big events like this reproducibility school and even bigger like SIPs or Twitter really feels like I'm embedded in something that is more than just me against the world. Hmm. And I felt like at the beginning of my academic career, it was just me trying to do papers with like my small lab of like a couple of people. And, but like now I feel like it's just a lot bigger than that. It's a lot bigger than me. And there's so many people who understand that. And so it's not like, it's just such a collaborative effort that I think that's really changed the way that I view science as well. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, this is my collaboration is great and open science is great because of the community um, rant. But yeah. No, I, mean, I think I think it's important to um, to emphasize that as well because I yeah I would I would say that I feel the same, and you know we've had all these discussions recently on Twitter about whether or not the open science community is inclusive and open to people and at least from my experience um i, I would also agree with you that it, it does feel like it's yeah it's sort of yeah it, it, like it does because it's a kind of a revolution right so <laughs> um, it does feel like it's lots of people working together for um a common goal which is really nice mm. so yeah i think it's important yeah. to emphasize it so fully yeah agree. and i i think i think also that when you start like I think we should have a podcast about like our experiences how we got into open science because I think everybody starts by being an outsider or being on the being on the fringes thinking like what is this <laughs> what is happening you know I I very much remember a dinner where I sat there being like what's Elsevier <laughs> why is everybody talking about why Elsevier is so bad and all these things I just don't understand and I felt like you know completely outside of it um but you know that's we're trying to write that first tweet and uh agonizing over it for two hours and then not <laughs> then discarding it because you're too scared that someone might read it and <laughs> take offense or something <laughs> yeah so I think we should maybe have a talk about that in another episode because be I think it's also key to think about how to get more people into open science and there's something I've been talking a lot about with other people as well because I think we all have different experience like I think a common experience is that you can't replicate stuff but yeah. that wasn't my experience and I, I think we need to really think about yeah 
about that as well. Great, but should we, instead of talking about going into <laughs> science um, and open science, um, something we wanted to talk about is is leaving academia as well, um, which is, yeah, a topic we don't really talk about a lot, I think. No, it's like the, the back of the mind sort of feeling that most people have it's like you, you know there's that worry you know it's a possibility but I don't think many people actually consider it as being the most likely possibility yeah but then the, I've been talking to a lot of people recently and it's it's I think once you talk openly everybody has it in the back of their mind you know we're scientific people we're we're supposed to weigh up things in a logical manner so um, I think there's a lot of back thinking sometimes, you know, even if I want to stay in academia, I want to know that I've made an evidence-based decision, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been, it's been quite apparent to me that once you talk about it, a lot of people are having the same thoughts or at least, you know, thinking that, oh, I'd like to know a bit more about people who have left and things like that. But, yeah, because more often than not, when you you hear about leaving or the discussions are about leaving academia, they kind of come from the people that are still in academia, mm. right? Or if it's some kind of training day and the, the importance of skills is emphasized because of if mm. you leave academia. But again, that's usually from people <laughs> that have never left academia. So it's kind of mm. whether, whether it's right or not... Um, is just an interesting discussion, I think, mm. without those first-person accounts. And it's a survivor bias. Like, you always get advice from other people, mm. and then it's always posted on Twitter, and then somebody's like, oh, but this is a survivor bias. This is only for people who've stayed. Um, but nobody really bothers to ask for advice from the people who left. Yeah. Well, because it's hard to, to find them as well, right? There's not a sort of directory for all the people who went to your institution and then left academia or something. Mm. Yeah, and I, I so. think there's also like, we're academia, we're the academy, and then the people who've left are like outside and you don't, you don't talk. Mainly because there's not those communication channels, but also because I think it's, it's seen by many as kind of a rupturing of, you know, this relations when people leave um while there could possibly probably be a lot more communication going on if we wouldn't feel like maybe we're on the high horse or they've you know abandoned ship or something like that i don't know though it's funny that um we do think that there's a, that, that there's a, this idea of academia being on the high, high horse and being superior right mm-hmm. and uh, so one of the people who responded had, had a really interesting response to that. Um, maybe we can talk about that later. Yeah, well, um, why don't you, why don't you talk about that? it now? Yeah, um, Yeah. wait, so let's get it up. Um, so this person left because um, they just didn't feel like anything um, they were doing mattered. Um, and because they wanted to Im- improve like their technical skills or like wanted to focus on that. And... Um, so in their advi- in their as their response to what their advice is for current ECRs, um, it was that 
the business world looks down on academics and the academic world doesn't appreciate you enough. That was one of the people. Mm. Um, so this idea of actually, um, yeah, so academia not, not, not actually being viewed that positively. Um, but then also someone else, sorry, I can't, can't find it. Um, someone else also um, said something along these lines um, where they were just like, um, yeah, so actually doing a PhD might be a waste of your time. Um, well, I if was... You do, if you definitely want to go into, in, into, in, into industry because if you don't have any work experience, then um, apparently this can be viewed as a negative because people don't necessarily see the, the value. And I had not thought about that before, I have to say. Like this idea that um, doing a PhD could be viewed as a negative, I had not considered that at all. Well, I was once at a talk at the business school for entrepreneurs and somebody was like, the only training that has a net negative effect on your like profitability, so the amount of money you'll make afterwards is a PhD. That's crazy. And you're just but, like... What? Is that whether you stay in academia or whether you leave it or both? I don't know. Or? I think probably the science behind it is probably a bit wishy-washy because hmm. it's it was I, I it's also years ago. I just remember because I just started my PhD, and I was like, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> but I, I think we should also explain how we've been getting these responses. Oh yes, sorry. <laughs> I just yes. I just thought it really fitted because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, is yeah. that weird that weird um, tension between um, the business world or the industry and academia, where where we have one very specific view, um, which might not necessarily be true. Yeah. Um, well, we. But yes, uh, I guess we we've been getting just for a bit of background for our listeners. So we've been getting all these really interesting um, accounts from people who've left academia because we started a survey um, asking some very simple questions to to mainly psychologists, but also more broadly um, people who have left the academic profession just to have a have a look if we could at least get a bit of some advice from people who have left and and yeah gather some information i guess so the main questions were why did you decide to leave academia what is your occupation now are you happy you left and what is your advice for curly ecrs so i think that yeah that gives us um a lot of food for an interesting discussion I think and we've all read um, different people's responses so we'll go through and um, discuss these probably after the break because we have been talking a lot about <laughs> other things <laughs> but yeah um, hang on and we'll start actually diving into the world of people who have left Thank you.
Welcome back to Reproducibility. Um, as always, thank you to all of our listeners and people that comment and give us feedback. We've had some quite fun challenges in our um, <laughs> ranting from topic A to topic B challenge, which I think we'll follow up at some point. We also put out a meme challenge today. A science meme, science gift challenge to add to that. As you know, we, we do like our gifts. So. We do like our gifts. I very almost put some in emails to my supervisors this afternoon. I settled for a meme because I'm a child. Um, it was good fun. It was great. Sophia wants to say that she still thinks they're gifs. <laughs> you could see that in my face, couldn't you? I could see it in your face. <laughs> You're like a balloon just waiting to explode. Yeah. <laughs> I am my own gif. Or gif, okay. I guess. So <laughs> we are talking about leaving academia. Not in the sense that this is our announcement that we're all leaving academia. Although that would be one way of telling everyone. I'm not even properly in academia yet, so... But, like, when are you properly in academia? I guess when you're, like, a professor. But, like, I don't, I don't feel like... Like, yeah. like, I don't... Halfway through my PhD, I kind of felt like I wasn't a student anymore. I was, like, at least in the UK system, I stopped, le- like, I stopped having formal teaching. So I felt like I'd ne- I didn't anymore say that I'm like a PhD student. I'd be like, I'm a PhD researcher or like I'm a researcher. Like that for me, that changed internally. But yeah. I guess I feel like an academic. But then academic well, is so like broad. Well, I still find this whole idea that you have postdoctoral students or like the postdocs are mm. treated as if they're students mm. because essentially because they're not on a tenure track job yet. So weird mm. because... It's them either through whichever system you're in or through trying to get on a tenure track job that are doing most of the work um, mm. before you end up in a more managerial position. So anyway, we're talking about <laughs> leaving academia. We've got some awesome responses. Yeah, thank you um, to everyone who uh, retweeted us, who shared our survey, who filled it out. Um, yeah, it's been... It's been a really interesting time reading these and, and reflecting on them. Yeah, and if you if anybody listening wants to share more, even if it's just these are reasons why I'm considering leaving, for example, it'd be really interesting to hear um, and kind of continue this conversation. Um, and we could, we could follow up on it at the end of another podcast. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well, guys, then let's think about for the people that, that you're championing, the responses, um, what, why did they decide to leave academia? What were the themes that you found in, in the responses that, that you read? So one big theme I could see was this idea of wanting to make a real difference or feeling like nothing that they were doing actually mattered to anyone outside of academia, um, which I assumed does also have something to do with um, kind of how rigorous um, the science is in the field that you're doing, right? Be- I, I assume. And so they they didn't say this. They were just they were just talking about that they felt like the work that they were doing didn't matter. It was good intellectual simulation, but it didn't really um, change anything. And the others also, you know, sort of yeah, wanting to make a difference and. Um, wanting to have respect and yeah sort of 
I think changing I, the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was I was talking I was at this reproducibility summer school with Oxford and Berlin last week and the keynote speaker there also talked about how there is like he thinks one of the biggest problems in in science is that loads of the research is actually like on topics that aren't interesting <laughs> and and but then so I don't know if it's just uh I've been thinking about this I don't know if it's just an issue that that, that it's not rigorous enough I think there is there is also I think it's harder to see the bigger picture if you're doing something on I think some of the research I did, that I did at the beginning of my PhD, I like I like get how I framed it as having a bigger picture, but I don't know if I'd be happy to do that for the rest of my life. You know, very, I don't know. Um, I I I can't really put into words why I feel the issue is. Yeah, I think the that sort of lack of rigor, I think, is is a really common thing within the open science kind of movement anyway. There's a potential reason to leave but then I think it's kind of confounded with that um, or compounded I'll figure out the right word later um, with this whole like am I doing something that's meaningful because if it's not massively meaningful but at least you can say yes but we did this well then it's one thing but it's it's another thing to be saying well I'm working on a really unimportant issue and also there's so many problems with the way that we do this work that it's also it's kind of pointless on two levels i guess um so, sort of so in, in a way that it's and... that it's not meaningful outside of itself but also not in itself yeah yeah exactly so i mean it's one thing to conduct something that's like on a very small effect and to know that you found something really important right whereas or you found something really rig rigorous and robust um but to kind of also know that you're being pushed into doing bad research at the same mm. time as doing mm. something that doesn't have the same impact as... I mean, we all go into science wanting to change the world in some way, right? You, a lot of people go into science because they want to improve mental health or um, or really learn about... Yeah, you know, improve not just mental health or health or outcomes, global outcomes or society... And maybe, maybe I do agree more and more with what you said, Sophia, is that sometimes very small increments are worthwhile. If you, you know, if you've done a proper systematic review of the literature, a proper review of the literature before doing your studies, if, and you know it's exactly what sort of research question, and even though it might not be interesting in of it, you know, in a, if you just see it in of itself, you know that if you do really rigorous work, you're filling this gap. But I think oftentimes science is not just not rigorous, it's also misplaced in that there's not really a good review of the literature before. And then you realize afterwards that four people have done similar work. Um, and yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What did you have, Sam? Um, I had quite a mix. So I think there were, there were some of the really standard ones that, I think we all probably know about and it aren't worth going into too much detail. So things like the lack of job security, you know that... That was a big one for me. Yeah, unless you're kind of tenure-tracked and even then it's difficult, then you know that the longest contract you're ever likely to get is maybe two or three years. Um, and even then, 
it can be quite a bit of luck or forward planning that gets you that. Um, and knowing that if you take up a one-year position, your first day is going to be, okay, so what job am I going to apply for in six to nine months' time or what grant am I going to need to? So, so that was a common thing, that kind of job security. Um, there were a good few comments about teaching. Um, teaching as, as a reason for leaving? I think more in the... Um, so one of them commented that their teaching work was undervalued. Um, I mean, one specifically didn't want to teach and wasn't interested in academia, so I think that's different. Um, <laughs> but this this idea that you you kind of spend so much time teaching, not much time doing research. Again, that depends on the position that you're in, but also you end up doing so much teaching that is undervalued in practice, even even if that's just being implicitly expected to mark hundreds of reports in your own time. Like things like that are stresses that I can understand being reasons to. to it's begin weird to because I I have um, kind of in the are you happy you left? I had two people saying that they are happy but they miss the teaching. Oh. Mm. So I think I think there is a that might depend on. No, you go. Sorry. No, no. I I just meant that there is just a real range of people. Like some people really enjoy the teaching, some people don't, and I feel like I yeah. do really enjoy it. But then I also know that it doesn't get, it won't get me the paper that I need at the moment. And so even though I know that I do enjoy it now, at the beginning of term, I go like, wow, now I'll, I'll, you know, I'm gonna subtract a couple of hours out of my week now that. You know, I, I enjoy doing, but I also see that it's not valued as much as having another paper. I don't know. Which is problematic in itself, right? Mm. Yeah. Like, whether or not you want to leave academia, it's it's definitely wrong that um, you're on the one hand making people teach and on the other hand um, not valuing it in a way that it's useful for their job progression, career progression, whatever. Yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, I guess it probably depends on the university that you're at as well. Both whether it's valued, um, at least within the university, and whether you're happy with it, because the atmosphere is probably very different at different institutions. Or it definitely is very different at different <laughs> institutions. Yeah, and I, I think that 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 is the case, and where you are in, in your career and what what you're teaching, and but I feel like sometimes I've seen, you know, we're a really research heavy university, and I've seen people with who need to take up a lot of teaching, you know, to pay the bills. And in the end, they know that that is actively harming them. But then the university doesn't really, you know, the university needs people to teach, but they don't, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one because you'd see it as something so important naturally, but then it's also seen as something so not important. I do. Yeah, I actually, so I actually funnily read a newspaper article about this on Monday in Dutch, ha. Um, oh, wow. it took me a while um, because this 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 is a topic here right now that um, sort of that academics are um, and end up sort of working fifty hour weeks um, because they are ex sort of they're being paid to do half half research half teaching but then they they have to do more teaching than that and um, so like sort of the, the teaching hours that they're being paid for. Um, eat into their research hours, but obviously they still end up doing the research as well um, and just end up not being paid for some of that time. 
Mm. Um, well, or the teaching hours so eat like so much into the research hour that the research is isn't you can't do the research anymore and then all of a sudden you need to actually apply for your next job and you don't have you know you have a a gap in your paper publishing and you know that could be the crux in a really competitive job market but yeah yeah I didn't I didn't have I had the standard ones like better and more diverse job opportunities in industry more short-term projects, a lot of work-life balance, um, pay, there not being any funding, um, job uncertainty. We had a bit about not wanting to relocate was a big one, hmm. um, which yeah. I think I can understand very well. Um, I don't know. That's actually one of the things that I find exciting about this. At least for a while, probably. I don't know mm. how I f- how I would feel about this uh, if I'm older. But I th- I think it's quite cool this idea of um, moving to different countries, to different places. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm it, only it on my third on country, the, but yeah, <laughs> I think it depends on your life stage as well, and like how how flexible people are around you. You know, I have a partner who can't move, so naturally for me, moving would be a big deal. I moved a lot as a child and I've kind of, at some point, you know, you're like, I I do enjoy also having a tight-knit social circle at one location, which I never had. I don't know if I want to do do that for another 10 years. So I'm I'm quite lucky that I have a quite strong community around here academically. So, you know, I'm I'm really trying to stay. Um, Well, I can see see it being exciting. But it, but it definitely shouldn't be the case that you you have to do this. Like it, it shouldn't be the case that you have to relocate in order to survive. That's that's definitely true. Yeah, and it's often seen as like you need to relocate to show that you can do international experiences and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like I've, I've heard that. I've heard that. I think that's purely just a signaling of you're willing to put up with moving a lot rather mm. than it actually being... Because you can work with multiple labs with international collaborations, right? You could visit for a few weeks, get a study set up, run it at multiple sites. and that, that You don't need to move your whole life somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, it doesn't yes. require saying, well, okay, I'm going to move my wife and kids um, and like relocate everything. And Yeah, I don't get it because there are... Yeah, because I, I, you know, I'm going on another research visit and I really enjoy the research visits because I think it's just the right amount of time. It's a couple of months and you, you can learn from each other and you build up the relationships. And naturally, I think you do extend your network if you move. But then, yeah, I, I, I see that I also extend my network by tweeting and going to conferences and being actively involved in my research area. Um... So, yeah, I think it really depends. But I, I do find it hard to see when people feel like they, they have to move and they don't want to. Or like, yeah, you can't... Once you think about permanent positions, you know that in one year, at least in the UK, maybe in your area, there'll be like three or four or five professorships opening. And if you're in that year that you need to apply, those are the ones that you're going to apply to and hope that you get it. And if you get one, you're going to go there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. Hmm. hmm. What a nice way to spend the Friday afternoon, guys. Yeah. Were there any other no, like? I'm just, I'm just wondering how different this. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, you froze. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering how different this is in, in different uh, careers, right? So you do have other careers that require a lot of moving around. And also, I guess, if you... Um, like probably whatever career you're in that if you want to move up um you might have to consider relocating for a certain but like in a different way and a different mm. I, don't I feel know. like I guess, you I guess in the uk you can just stay in firms. london and it's fine <laughs> you know i often feel like uh, maybe because my partner's a lawyer but for them they do need to well they don't need to move and if you do move you move firms but like they're like in any single city, there are like quite a few law firms, and if you're in London, where there's a it's law capital, like you're not gonna relocate um, crazy amounts. Um, naturally, for my family, like we did relocate because of jobs, but I I did feel again that it wasn't like that every two or three years in different industries. I feel like it's a very academic thing that you only have these very fixed term contracts, and then you need to th you need to think that there is a really high likelihood I won't get a continuation of this contract yeah. so I then have to move it's not like somebody will give you the offer being like do you want to progress to the next career level and move to Singapore or do you want to mm. stay here and and just have a job we'll have like do you want to not have a job <laughs> or do you want to move true that is very different well, is that no, I was just, I was just trying to well, see whether this whether we were being uh, unfair yeah um, that's... but no but it's true it's a very different situation much more precarious yeah definitely in that kind of forced way did any other like big themes come out um not for leaving should we talk about are you happy you left because i got a so out of the six people i'm chatting here one person didn't really know there was no clear one said no but then all the other four said yes um, yes, very. Most of the time, I do miss the topic and the intellectual challenge. I miss teaching, but I'm very happy. Um, then one a bit more about kind of who's an independent scientist, um, but really enjoys her freedom. So she she's happy she left. Yeah, I don't know. What did you feel about the those questions? Yeah, I think mine were mostly... I think we've got like a slight response bias in the sample <laughs> in that you probably are more likely to say, to kind of respond to this kind of thing if you sort of want to impart that little bit of wisdom of, look, things can be good. Um, yeah. Or it might just be that academia is genuinely a horrible place and people are much happier outside of it. But maybe we need to do some more empirical research mm. and find out. Um, I think... The, the other one that comes up with being sort of happy they left academia that comes up in quite a few of them actually is that kind of feeling of missing research um, which makes sense to me it's kind of it's it's a really nice thing right you get to learn things you get to investigate things that you're genuinely quite interested in I think I'd miss the so, independence yeah. you know maybe I don't like I enjoy the like I I think for me, the research is mainly like the independence to just wake up and say, I'm going to do this today. <laughs> or like, I want to study this because I find this interesting and nobody's going to question that except your supervisor or <laughs> other people. Well, but you. you but you do need to get funding for it, right? So it's not like mm. you're entirely independent. And no. I had like one, one of the people that I was looking at, 
um, who is now doing research in uh, in the te- technical in tech industry. It says um, actually said that they think that they get to have all of the benefits of working in academia. Um, so doing sound research, working with smart people, chasing your interests, autonomy, um, having respect, having your findings directly used in decisions, all of the positives without the downsides, which they listed as being, um, you know, that the fact that publications count, so you end up doing shitty research, in their words, um, the grueling competition of academia, um, the fact that results don't get used in a meaningful way, and so on. So mm-hmm. they actually sort of see, they, they see themselves as being in a job where they do get all of those positives, they do get all of that um, independence, but they actually do better research than they would be able to do in academia, which I find horrifying yeah. uh, as an insight. Contact me if you're from Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently looking for a job <laughs> in academia, but maybe I am. Um, I will be uh, um, driven over to that to, to industry. Me, I'm prob- this is just going to turn into a podcast where... Yeah, maybe <laughs> is looking for a job. <laughs> Amy has now decided she's looking for an, a job in industry. <laughs> Contact her here. Oh, it's Friday afternoon, guys. That like really positive. <laughs> we get to have all, like all the freedom, the benefits of academia seems to be quite commonly from the sort of more data programming people. I think in the mm-hmm. responses as well. So I wonder if that's kind of a specific aspect of the kind of data science programming fields that it does have quite a crossover with. I guess the lifestyle of an academic, but with a very different pressure structure, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I guess we will never. Well, it's really hard from the outside because actually, from the inside as well, we do have the bias as well to see us as, you know, oh, this is true independence, and kind of say, oh, it's worth the precarious job situation, and it's worth the meager pay because. We get to do research and and so yeah it's really hard but i think it is food for thought that there seem to be jobs out there where you can balance maybe things that i know that i would value with something else yeah yeah Mm. i think the the one that stuck out the most for me is the kind of yes i i was happy that i left or yeah happy that Oh, you have oh yes, yes. Oh, I've got like, oh yes um exclamation mark but i think there was also one that mentioned that they so this is from someone that left academia part way through their phd wow. um which i think in itself is really interesting and there's also kind of a bit of a story about um the supervision being particularly bad and they're not really being funding there so that kind of quite mm. bad situation combination um, but this idea that um, I think it's a common worry amongst PhDs anyway that if you leave, if you kind of quit your PhD essentially, then it could be a black mark where it looks like you've not had a job for a couple of years or you've not been working in whatever industry you look to go into for a couple of years. Um, so so this person said uh, they feel hampered by the time spent doing the PhD because it looks like a gap in their CV when applying for new jobs and I think that in itself is really interesting because we do I think a lot of us try not to but I think there definitely is this culture of if you quit your PhD you failed in some way 
there's a, I mean, there's there's hordes of articles out there that sort of say the opposite and say actually, if you don't want to be in, get out. If there's something else that you want to do, do that. Um, and kind of this positive message, but I can definitely mm. see why why people are worried about it. Well. well, I guess especially if you're doing a PhD where you're being funded sort of at the minimum um, or whether you even end up having to pay quite a lot to be able to to live, um, that probably then puts you in a position where you really can't leave because you're like, you know, if I've already, like it's kind of the sunk cost thing, right? I've already put this much um, money and, and time and energy into this, I can't leave. Whereas I guess if you if you do end up in a position where you're, you're paid as you would be in a um, comparable job, then maybe it would it is easier to leave mm. uh, if it's not good, you know. Mm. Of course. Well, I think I think we still have a lot to talk about, and our time <laughs> is running out. So maybe we'll have another uh, specialty podcast looking at the advice given by people, and also maybe some specific stories that are of interest. Um, I mean, maybe we can look at, at advice briefly, just five minutes, so that we don't end up on a on, on the note of now everyone's leaving academia. Oh yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> just just well, some should happiness we, should for some, a Friday some afternoon. Some nice quotes. I I have some nice quotes here. You're in a tiny bubble. Don't let it eat you. Oh, I quite like that. I think it's like positive, but also not. Yeah. So the the advice from the. The story I was just talking about is make sure you have adequate funding and then in brackets or are extremely independently wealthy um, <laughs> for the duration of your PhD. And I think there's some truth in that. If you don't have adequate funding, it is going to be a huge strain and people manage it. Um, and I've got a lot of respect for them, but it's, it's hard. Mm. Well, we just had seriously examine what you're strong and weak at. I think that was often come up as well. Nice. Um, I had a lot of, um, you know, just make sure that you uh, get the right skills. Um, but then one person said, um, I, I'll just I'll just read it out, um, that they have a lot of friends in academia who speak of research in the industry like you sell your soul to the devil and in a dismissive tone, like you cannot do the research you want to you want to do there. This is actually a different person from the person that I talked about, talked about before. But um, so they're saying that they laugh about it because they know better. But they can imagine that um, ECRs would feel discouraged by this collective dismissal on the part of academia. Um, I thought that was an interesting bit of advice as well. Again, sort of in that direction of um, academia isn't everything and you might actually be able to do the same kind of thing um, outside of academia. Yeah. Well, I think that gives us food for thought for our weekend and um, <laughs> our listeners for their week when um, it is aired on Tuesday. Um, so if you have any advice about um, to give to people that are wanting to leave academia, whether you've considered it or left yourself, or what your personal strategy is for the likelihood for most of us that you're going to leave academia at some point, or your current strategy is, that would be awesome to hear about and talk about next time. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>